Okay, welcome back, everybody, to the Mail Right Show. It's episode number 402 today. And we're talking about how to hire the best real estate virtual assistants in 2023. Once again, it's my fearless co-host who uh, is producing the show, has picked this wonderful topic for us. I have hired hundreds of virtual assistants, effectively. So uh, I definitely feel like I have something I can contribute to the subject. Before we jump into what will be a great discussion on the subject, uh, I said subject twice. John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people who are listening to the show? Oh, thanks, Rob. Yes, I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com. We are a CRM, an IDX website with lead generation Email and text is provided. Um, we've got a lot to offer. We love you to become part of the family. Back over to you, Rob. Beautiful. Okay, so first of all, we are going to uh, – well, my name is Robert Newman. I'm the founder of a real estate uh, technology company called Inbound Real Estate Marketing, or Inbound REM for short. You can learn a lot more about me and the services, but basically we do SEO, design websites you own, and we um, we do a lot of things within that that field. I'm known for it. I've been known for it for a long time. Probably one of the most experienced, still practicing real estate online marketing consultants that exists in the U.S. at this point. I've been doing it for 15 years. Want to learn more about me? Go to inboundrem.com. Now on to the subject at hand. I'm just going to read John's beautiful intro. Are you struggling to find some reliable help to help you with your business? I use virtual assistants ad nauseum. And the reason that you want to talk to us about using virtual assistants is there's many places in the world that for five or $6 an hour, you can hire incredibly dedicated, incredibly talented, incredibly proactive people who will do things like post all your pictures for you, tag those pictures for you, edit those pictures for you. In some cases, you can even hire a relatively decent video editor for under $8 an hour, which by the way, you can't get that service in the United States for under $50 or $60 an hour. So when you start talking about all the things that you might do, well, that's what I think of when I think of real estate virtual assistants. John, what do you, what, what did you mean when you said do an intro and let's talk about like what, how would you use virtual assistants? I I basically agree um, with uh, with most of what you said. Um, I think what you said is based on experience. I'm surprised at the hourly rates you're quoting to get, um, re, you know, good quality help. I based on my experience, but it does really depend on what they're doing for you. But my, based on my experience. What you get is you can get a quality candidate at a rate of about 50% of what you would pay natively in the USA. And that's just my rough, but it's dependent. But you will get somebody, if you're on boarding process, and this is partly why I wanted to discuss this, and I know that you've got a lot more experience than I do on this, but I've got a reasonable amount, but you've got more experience, is you've got to, have a, you've got to be very clear what you're looking for, 
what the parameters are and you've got to have an onboarding process. Otherwise, it's probably not going to go that great. All true. The, the quality of the help that you get for the hourly rate that you get it is going to be based a tremendous amount on your personal experience. When people come work for me, they get extremely detailed step-by-step -step videos on the task. It's not, I take the complicated part out of the no. equation for them. So it's, they show up, they watch a couple of videos, they're generally properly trained. They have people that they can message on Slack for direct input should they should we feel differently? We have also usually provided, this is what a high quality result looks like for the task. I mean, everything is usually covered, everything. We, we rarely get any questions back at this point. And when you hire somebody in with that much direct and detailed like information, yeah, they are usually willing to give you a very strong quote. It also helps when you take the time as I have done to build up a profile on the places that you're doing your hiring out of, whether that's Fiverr or Upwork or wherever you're going to find your staff. I generally have five-star ratings up the wazoo. You know, in Upwork, I, I've got, got I've, I've spent close to a million dollars there. It's a crazy amount of money at this point. So when people look my company up, they go, um, they, they are dying to work for us at whatever rate we tell them but that part of that is just based on our strong strong reputation that we built on the platform so we can get a little bit more into that at some point here but john uh, opened up this dialogue about hiring virtual assistants i think with the idea of okay what tasks would you would you either have them manage or how would you manage those tasks and he listed off a couple of project tools that he would use which is notion monday.com and ClickUp, which is funny because you picked three very popular ones I've only used one of the three. We attempted to migrate our entire team over to Notion and found it too complicated. Too complicated for people to understand, too many buttons, too many places to go, and we moved off it and stuck with Basecamp. So, um, but Basecamp is a project management. Notion is, I would call it a team up. Team projects is one way to good way to go, and operations tool is another good way to say it. It's like it's a higher level tool that that extends deeper into the area of organization. It's navigatable, clickable, but when we looked at our dashboards, they made us, they, they were maddening. Like we, mm. we all collectively agreed we didn't want to go that direction. Uh, well, Monday.com I've never used and ClickUp I've never used. Yeah, I haven't used Monday. I've used Notion and I've used ClickUp. Click up. Um, I don't actually use, I, I've used Basecamp like you. We, in my own operation, we don't use Basecamp. We use something called Freecamp. Mm -hmm. um, I've been using that for about four years now. Um, but I have utilised, and I agree with everything you just outlined. Um, you just got to find, it's a bit like talking about what's the best real estate CRM. There isn't such a thing. It just depends on the circumstance. So um, Notion is extremely popular, but it's complicated because you can do a ton of different things. Um, I personally, when I was utilising it, I, I preferred Click ClickUp, but it does it does a load of stuff. Um, there's others. There's a lot out there. But in general, if you're going to 
utilize a virtual assistant, you do need some online project management tool of some kind. Don't depend, you don't have to, you can just utilize email um, or you, you could just utilize Slack. Slack is quite, I use, we utilize Slack a lot, um, but we don't utilize it as our um, project management tool. Um, but you need something, I think you, if you're going to be serious about it, you need something a bit more than an email. So my advice to everybody listening to this show, if you're going to hire a virtual assistant, be ready and cognizant of the fact that you should be able to hire them with the understanding that you can describe the task, that you've done the task at least once, that you know what you want done. The very minute you start telling anybody at any price what it is you think you want done, but you have no idea how to do it, you're in trouble. Okay. I've hired people at $80 an hour and I've hired people at $4 an hour. And believe it or not, I can't, I'm, I'm being honest with you, John, and everybody that's listening to the show. I would not make this up. I have gotten just as good of service out of the $4 an hour person as I have often times gotten out of the $80 an hour person. The level of the, the quality of the result I get is usually directly in proportion to how well and how much I've described the task down to the last nuts and bolts of what we're doing. Like if I can give somebody all the details I want, I usually get flawless performance, especially out of overseas resources. I stay away from India. I stay away from Pakistan. I've tried both of those countries ad nauseum. I'm not saying I've never found a good resource there. I have, but I generally have to hire five or six for every one that I keep. And so I don't bother anymore because Macedonia and the Philippines have both given me two to one in terms of the resources and the level of revenue that I've gotten. Like I, I will, for every person I talk to, I find at least one other person. And when I find somebody that clicks with my team and we take on board, um, usually there's a huge amount of durability in terms of my, my team and my resources. Most of my people in the Philippines have been with me for four, five, in some cases, six and seven years. And there's no turnover. There's, there's only turnover when we try to hire somebody new and in the first five or six months, like whatever problem might happen comes to the service surface. And, and I'll tell you what, John, I've only run across one consistent problem out of the Philippines, which is where we get lied to when we onboard somebody and they have existing contracts. And so when we start to notice their work is shoddy or sporadic or, and we ask them, we said, Hey, we were hiring you with the understanding that you have, that you are going to be a full-time employee and we're not getting good results every single time. It's like, Oh yeah, well we have another job. We have another contract and they got busy and we're doing that. It's like, well, we asked you that question. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Prospecting so, and yeah. Sorry. sorry I, 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 yeah. Sorry. I just interrupted you. Sorry. Go on. I was going to move on. Did you want yeah. to add something to the project management tool bit? I, I just found, uh, you know, most of the staff, um, there's a difference between general virtual assistant. A um, lot of the people I've been hiring, most of my experience, I've got a bit of experience with Fiverr um, because I was looking for more specific skill-orientated IT skill. I tend to use Upwork. 
I tend, I tend, but you don't, my Pacific, I tend to put effort in the job description and then I research the people and instead of just putting it out for people to come to me, I outreach to a target. I've already researched people and I normally whittle it down to about five to ten um, candidates and I tend to go with the upper level of Upwork. I fluent English, got a track record, um, at least two years track record. Most that got between four to five stars have actual written reviews that don't seem to be made up. Um, I tend to do more research before I even, and then I outreach to them. And then I always have a Zoom, an initial Zoom with them. And then they all, um, and there's other things that I've put in the show notes. Um, but that's the process that I've gone through. And it's helped a lot, but you can still be lied to and you can still find the person. You wonder how they got such good reviews because their work is has been. I found some excellent people, but I found there doesn't seem to be any middle road. Either they're really good or they're really rubbish. Um, that's my experience. I would agree with that. I tend to have a black and white experience, but just like any company, there's a difference between black, white, and superstar. Yeah. I've been I've hired on about fifty people for inbound REM. And I have about five superstars and the superstars are people where I look at them and I go to myself, John, um, I've worked with people who've made 80 to hundred thousand dollars here in the United States. And these people are more dedicated and better at their job. That's a superstar. That's somebody, cause this, this idea that only us resources can provide an incredibly high quality result is in my experience, rubbish. As a matter of fact, I feel like us work and work ethic has been declining in the last 10 to 15 years that that's my experience i i make i lay no claim to saying that for everybody i'm just saying that in my experience that's been what it is my team overseas especially the five people i mentioned i mean these are people that always have their phones on answer like digital messaging 24 hours a day almost um if they're awake i'm getting a response or my clients are getting a response go way out of their way to learn new skills read everything I send them, study everything I send them. And not only that, but learn from them. Like my SEO guy right now is probably as good as my brother who went off to, you know, make a very high income after being trained by me here in the U S like, like he's that good. And yet he's in the Philippines. Now his only downside is he doesn't speak great English, which is, which is disappointing, but to be honest with you, I am not complaining because I pay him one fifth or maybe even one tenth of what he would, you know, that person would be worth as a, as a U.S. resource. So holy cow, will I take a little bit of like broken English over that? Oh, yeah, without a well, question. Two of my, develop, two of my, my chief developers are based abroad and they are fantastic, but I get them at a very good rate. I treat them extremely well. I pay their invoices straight away. And they're, I've never sensed they're abused um, with their time records. And But they don't speak good English. 
Um, but I have US-based project managers. Uh, I don't now project manage. I have a one or two project managers, but they're US-based mm -hmm. because because the, I feel the clients expect it, um, and it just makes it easier. So that's how I split it up. But no, the you know it's black and white, but. Um, you can get some excellent people. And those two developers, they've been with me about six to eight years. Are you not saying what part of the world they're from intentionally? No, no, they're from Vietnam. Okay. I employ a whole family. That seems to be a industry. Um, I've hired one individual, but he's, he has a whole – I don't think he's working for me solely, um, um, but I think I'm probably one, one of his major – customers but he's got a whole family um operation um well john was kind enough to reveal to him i i have to admit to everybody listening to this and we're going to come back and i'm gonna i'm gonna detail out my hiring process and then we're going to move on to the next question okay so we'll be right back but as we go to break i'm going to say the following like listen john has been much more explorative than i have over the years, I've worked uh, through the call center, my call center experience, I work with the Philippines, and I'm not kidding when I say I've worked with thousands upon thousands of people from that country. If any of you listening to this show happen to be like a second generation person from some other part of the world, like Argentina, Chile, any of the South American countries where the dollar stretches further, it would be worth you, like Mexican, it'd be worth your time, behoove you to maybe focus on those countries where you know the culture and you know the people, but can get a better rate on the resource. I work the Philippines because I know the culture really, really well at this point. All right. With that, we're going to be right back. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to knock your socks off with virtual assistant information. All right. We'll be right back. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 402 of the MailRite podcast. Today, we're talking about the best way to hire a virtual assistant in 2023. Here's how I do it. I did start with Fiverr and Upwork, first and foremost, tr tr true transparency. I don't stick with those anymore. The head of my overseas operations goes straight to job boards in the Philippines, and we get a lot of great people there. He goes to schools, universities, and other local places. But since I don't speak Tagalog, I don't handle those ads. When I do hire on Upwork, uh, what I do, or I put up, I post the same ad on LinkedIn occasionally, what I do is I write an ad just like I would here in the US with a very detailed job description. The more detailed, the better. And then I put the ad up along with like a range of hourly. I usually get a small percentage uh, response because in my ad, John, I've moved to the direction that you've already moved, which is number one, you must speak fluid English. That eliminates a lot of people right there. And then number two, I usually say you must have an incredibly strong track record. Generally speaking, most of my top people have five star ratings. I generally yeah. don't have anybody who's yeah. had. I've learned the hard way. That, I, I, that's what my approach is. It, um, yeah. 
I, I totally agree with you. I agree with what John said. I read every review. If I'm going to take my time to do an interview, I'm going to read every single review. I don't care if there's five or 500, I'm going to read them all. And I, I don't, if they're all, if they've got no negatives, alarm bells start ringing because if they've got any sort of volume, if they're all five, I, um, it's, it's like dealing with reviews in general, folks. If they're all five star, um, that's a problematic for me. Um, if they've had a dispute and I look at how they responded to the feedback and uh, um, I'm actually quite interested how they responded with a with a semi-bad review and what they're saying about it. I find that more informative than just a list of five-star. Totally agree, except I'm going to go slightly different. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is, a, this is a terrible secret. And it is a secret, and it is terrible. I have nothing but five-star reviews. That sounds great on paper. Yeah, but you're superb. But John is correct. No, I'm, I acquiesce too much. I acquiesce too much. I, I have done I've – been, I've been blackmailed for a consistent across the board never deviated from five-star review in 14 years i've been blackmailed more than once as a matter of fact and and at once or twice egregiously and i think that i've made a mistake john no no i'm not i'm not saying that for effect i'm, I'm being deadly serious with you i think mm -hmm. i've made a mistake i think that i've spent too much time and too much money in circumstances and i agree with you 100 percent. probably better had i let them turn into a bad review so that I could then respond online and bring my problem solving skills to the surface, as opposed to having nothing but five-star reviews over a long track record. It appears like I've never had a bad experience. And that's not true. I have had unhappy customers and challenging customer service issues. And yes, I've managed to keep those away from my profiles. But does that mean that those clients were always inevitably happy. No, some of the time it meant that I just handed them back money. I probably shouldn't have handed them and they had no real good reason to post a f like anything against me. But I don't agree with that. I did the work. I shouldn't have done it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, the next thing that we're going to talk about again, this is, this is due to John's incredibly good producing schools skills. We're going to talk about prospecting and time saving. Um, John, I have a lot to say. I could say a lot on this because this is what I've done for 30 plus years as a career. So why don't you go ahead and leap in and I'll finish it out. Well, I think it's about what we said in the first half. This is only my, my attitude. I think, I think to get somebody that can, the individual that can do both of this is probably depending, it, it needs somebody that's got a, a lot of experience and you're probably going to be paying them a bit more. I think prospecting and tasks that are time saving are, are two different buckets and they attract two different type of people. Um, and I think that applies domestically and that applies offshore. And I think you need to work out which, bucket you're looking for and don't mix them up too much but i'll be interested in what you think because you might feel i'm totally wrong but that's no. just my 
You'll find that some resources have multiple skill sets. Like the guy that is the head of my overseas operations, he started off as a lead chaser for me. That just people I talked to, like uh, when I started inbound REM, I had 800 contacts from like seven previous years of doing real estate marketing and sales and account executive work and leadership and all that different jazz. And he called him. He was calling him for me. That was his one and only job. It was like a two paragraph sentence. Robert moved on from so-and-so. Would you like to talk to him? That was it. Super simple. And within, I don't know, two weeks, he was like, can I do this? Can I do that? Like, let me do this other thing. Let me do this other thing. I think that John ultimately is right. And I think that the, the resource that you have, depending on what kind of business it is, like, how do you want to run your real estate business? My advice for all of you is to figure out every single task that you can possibly offload to somebody who's a much less expensive resource, images, video editing, um, anything related to a transaction that's not critical. Like, do you have to like, like proof client lists, anything that can be done by anybody else, you want to have somebody do it, but you don't necessarily find all of that in a single resource. Reading and editing emails perfectly possible from people from other com countries, but maybe not the same person that's going to be the salesperson following up with your leads, like calling, like an ISA. You do generally find people with different skill sets, which is, I think is what you were saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. But if you should ever find somebody, I've got two people on staff, John, that have had previous real estate experience, and they were both big like really deeply connected virtual assistants to real estate agents and they were doing a lot of different things for those agents if you find a resource who says that they can and then starts to step up don't slow them down just because you think that they yeah. they can do one bucket's worth of stuff try them out yeah. and see because some resources can do many things yeah. um writing a job description what is it what do you mean by that Somebody cool. writing your job description, you writing one for somebody else. All right, you, you know, um, I just look at what other people have written on Upworks, and then I, I get um, I get about four or five of the descriptions. I look at the bits that I think have been done. I use AI be, um, to help me write it, and I spend a bit more time on it than I used to because um, it's important. And uh, if you can't write a decent job description you're in trouble because this ain't going to work out that well. This ain't going to go well if you can't even write a, a decent, in a, a precise time. It doesn't have to be, if it ends up being like War and Peace, about 15 paragraphs, that's enough a sign that you're in big trouble. Uh, Correct. Right. When you do do your job descriptions, make sure that you use bullet points, that you're succinct, that you do the who, what, when, why, where of the position. Uh, direct, detailed, and broken up into bullet-pointed pieces is best in my experience. Um, a paid trial. What I think that you meant by this, John, is that you wanted to take somebody on board and essentially tell them up front, listen, we're going we're gonna to try you for a week. We're going to pay you for that week, but you need to understand that we're looking at your work, examining your work, mm. and if it doesn't measure up, we're not going to keep Wait, you on. Is that what you meant? In a way, but um, it depends on what they're doing for you. I've got a, a lady I've hired, and she's on a three-month trial, but she's got a, she's doing a Pacific film for me, 
and she's um, got a lot of experience and uh, a good rating. But the gig is that I, I paid her half her first month up front um, because she's going to have to do a lot of initial research. She's going to have to do, and then um, then I'm going to pay her the half at the end of this month. But I'll probably um, we're going to discuss how she's got on. And I'm going to pay her for the second month because, in my opinion, I've got to give her at least two months uh, um, to work out what she's doing for me. Hey, Um, everybody who's listening to the show, raise your hand if you want to work for John. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, Basically, I don't do do any of that. No, no. No, but basically, (laughs) um, you um, the the more you got to be reasonably generous. These people are from the third world. That they a lot of them are relying on your income. Um, that you actually, in my experience, you got to be. A, there are people that are going to rip you off. That going to take uh, a pay trial and they're not going to produce anything. You are you are going to be ripped off. But um, I've made a decision that I'm looking for quality people and they're going to be treated as quality people. And I expect them to treat me as a quality employee. So um, that's why I do that. Probably good advice on every, on every measure. I make somebody step through a multi-step interview process and towards the second or third steps where I'm telling them that I want them to learn something and that I'm going to test them. I pay them for the learning and I pay them for the test. Mm. I may or may not do that up front. It just depends on the resource that I'm talking to, but I absolutely tell them that the testing part of the trial process is paid. You go out there, you do the research, you come back to me. We do another, usually we do two or three zoom calls. And by the time I'm done, like, I have about a 95% stick rate after I go through my interview process. So generally speaking, every once in a while I get it wrong. And when I get it wrong, I really. Oh, I just yeah. want to, on the I, bed. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to point one that one thing and it, it applies to business relationships, personal relationships. And with this, the warning signs are there from day the first interaction, the first interview. The normally the warning signs. If you've got any process, the warning signs are going to be right there for you, and you're you're going to initially because you're pushed for time, for other factors. You're not there. They're very pleasant. They're very attractive. They're They've got a good story. They've got, there's loads of factors, but unless they're a total sociopath and they're expert manipulator liar um, and they're a narcissist as well, um, it's normally, it's normally all out there in front of you. You just don't want to see it. And this is going to be here. After you've done, a, you've hired a few people. You should then get a feeling for it, and it's going to be all there for you to see. It's just if you don't see it, it's because you don't want to see it. Well, I'm going to say this: John put down a lot of great subjects, but when you're when you're hiring somebody on, either you or somebody on your team needs to take the like hiring new people is a hell of a commitment, always. The idea, though, is that long term, they will eventually really 
be worth 10 times as much as you put into them. But having said that, all new people, all work needs to be reviewed originally if you're concerned about quality or the quality of their work or the quality of the diligence of their effort. Once with a resource from uh, Pakistani, as it turned out, we hired on this brilliant kid or seemingly brilliant that was a coder and he seemed to do a great job and he got by me and he got by the lead developer of my company. And then we discovered that 80% of the work that he was doing, he was doing with a auto clicker on his keyboard. He wasn't you doing any of the time tracking. And the second that any of us watched any of the, like a single day's worth of his work, we realized he was using an auto clicker because he hadn't figured out how to put a human being there. So it wasn't even all that clever about it. He did. He just put in a good effort the first 30 days. We stopped paying attention. And then he started using an auto clicker. It was kind of crazy. And so we obviously had to let him go. He, he was doing okay work when he did the work and terrible work when he didn't. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get to our final. This is the final moments. We've actually already overextended our time here. We're in minute number 32. And we're going to talk about onboarding. And our bonus content today is going to be um, is going to be uh, final thoughts. For me, onboarding is actually these days with other people that I've trained. Onboarding in the past, when I was still doing it myself about five years ago, was um, teaching people how to use the tools that we were using, which is Slack, Basecamp. And I did that a lot through video. If you're not using Screencast-O-Matic, if any of you are not familiar with the thing that records your screen, boy, howdy, are you going to find this all much more complicated. Because what I do, you can use Loom, you can use uh, any number of different tools. Um, all I did was when I had the time, which was after hours, I would create a video saying, this is how I use Basecamp, and this is how I do this, and this is how I do that. I never had a problem training resources. Then they'd ask me the questions the next day via Slack, which I would answer, and then we'd be off to the races. But I did take the time every time to do, this is what I want you to do. This is what that looks like. Let me know if you have any questions. I just record it. That's what I did for onboarding. What'd you do? Yeah, just very, just like uh, I had one guy, he's now with me. He's with me now four years. Funny enough, he lives in Pakistan. Um, but he, um, he was educated uh, uh, in England and he uh, did his degree at Oxford. Uh, um, and he's, he's English and he's written English. He's better, well, it's bound to be better. He's written English, but, uh, he um he he deals with a couple of clients we have that are Salesforce and he's a Salesforce programmer, mm -hmm. administrator, and he does some other things for me as well. Um and I've got some other staff where well, I haven't onboarded them because they've got a ton of experience. They've got I'm not it just but in this that if you've got certain processes that you want doing, you need to follow what Robert said. You need to video them and have some notes and have something to give to them. I've seen so many agents and they, they're getting through domestically and virtually so many assistants because they don't provide any guidance, any onboarding, and they wonder why it goes pear-shaped really quick. Correct. 
I agree with that 100%. The quality of your result will be based on the quality of your input at the beginning of the process. That is 100% my experience. I wish in everything that I do, John, that there were uh, major hacks. There's not major hacks. I can only tell you this that I've learned from experience. Doing all this work up front absolutely saves time in the long run, improves the quality of my results, stick, makes people stick with me longer, everything that you want, but it does take that time up front and you just have to make it if you want to hire somebody, including all, all the way up to if you can't do a phone call or a task, then you have to find something that's been recorded by somebody else that looks like it might be the right thing to you and hand that off. I don't care if you haven't done it, if you don't like any of your advice, fine. YouTube is rife, and so is Vimeo for that matter, and how to, and I can go on and on. There are plenty of places where people have created videos that, that explain a process like optimizing an image, find a likely credible source, come to my YouTube channel, steal my content, hand it to your assistant and say, do this, okay? Start somewhere, give them something. No. You've got to give them, especially, I don't, I've, it applies domestically, but it really, just based on my experience, it depends. The only um, the only element it doesn't is if they're very, very experienced in a particular niche. But in general, if you don't give offshore people guidance, on, and I call it onboarding, it's going to go, it's not going to go well. And you get these people say, oh, go off, get a virtual assistant and they'll do everything for you, blah, blah, blah. They'll be off on the it's, – it's rubbish. It's BS. It's it's just dribble, isn't it, Robert? For the most part, I'll say this, though, and this is my final thoughts. No joke, everybody listening to the show, I built my entire company off mm. overseas resources. Yeah. And generally speaking, this is what I found. I get twice the effort for half the price. Yeah. That is – my experience hiring hundreds and hundreds of people, twice the effort for half the price. It really has to be something specific or very, very like I just have to have a U.S. resource. Yeah. Like the, I have one other U.S. resource besides me, and he's the head of my brand and content team. He handles the tone for all of our writing for every writer in the company, and I, I pay him quite literally 10 times more than I pay anybody else. And that's the only one in the entire cadre of the people. I have 23 people. He's the only one. And I, I need him like that's, that has to be, nobody else can nail the tone or the acronyms or the local flavor when it comes to attitudes in the U S like you, like I just have to have that person with that knowledge and that's why I use him. But everybody else and everything else, no exceptions. I've managed to find people overseas that have worked out just fine. That's my final thoughts. And I think you should do the same for your real estate business, whether it's chasing leads, pu publishing images, uh, handling communication, like standard mundane day-to-day -day communication with clients, arranging your appointments, managing your calendar. I can go on and on. If you aren't thinking of a way you can use virt a virtual assistant, you're not thinking hard enough. Yeah, I think you... You know, obviously, if you're struggling, you can't. But if you're if you're starting to get traction as a real estate agent, I think you should attempt to hire a virtual uh, assistant earlier than later, and get find one that can work with you 
that you can build some relationship because then you'll be covering, you won't be in this manic situation where you've got more clients than you know what to deal with. The service levels are going to hell. Um, you've got a leaky bucket situation. You're getting leads in, but you're losing. You, you know, it's just a bad situation. And if you can get a virtual assistant in earlier and later and get your processes and so it doesn't all go to hell, the better you, you're going to have a better experience. Agreed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of our show. We've done the best that we can to give you uh, some of our thoughts on hiring virtual assistants, some of our overall opinions about hiring virtual assistants, some of the tools that virtual assistants can theoretically use. You know what? There's entire companies, businesses, entrepreneurs who do nothing but this. So we just scratch the surface. Yeah. Ultimately, if you're making above $80,000, let's call it, which is very generalized, but let's just pretend it, $80,000, $150,000 if you're here in California, and you know that you feel overwhelmed and busy, that's really all it would take for me to say, I, I spend, what, $500 a month for a full-time person, maybe, that does everything that I don't want to do. I mean, only you can answer the, the question of how valuable your time is to you. But I've reached a point in my career where if it's 10 minutes and I can offload it to somebody, I do it. Full stop, no questions, I do it. I offload it every time. Um, and I, I've traveled to another country so that I can offload most of the sales work I do. And I stayed there for two months to find the right people to make sure that I found a high quality person. So I'm real serious about it. Whatever you can do, get it off your plate, let somebody else do it. If you have to teach and train them a bit, great. But ask yourself the question, how much do I value my time? And my answer is, it is the most valuable resource I have. And I want as much control over it as I possibly can get. If you'd like to learn more about me and the services that we provide, go to inboundrem.com. John, if you, people would like to learn the same about you, where would you like them to go? I'll just go to mail-right.com and you can book a demo and it'll either be me or my co-founder, Adam, and we show you the MailRight process and we can have a chat and we can see if we can help you. Back over to you, Robert. Beautiful. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show. Hopefully you got something valuable out of it. Who knows? But we really, we really, we really hope that you did. All right. Take us offline, John. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Mm -hmm.